Okay, so I'm going to start with a question this morning, and it's this. This God that we've been studying together for the past few weeks, is he worthy of our praise or not? Amen. Yes, amen. Well, let me ask you this. How much? How much? The word worship is a compressed form of an English, an old English word meaning worth-ship. In other words, it's putting value on something. The definition goes like this, to demonstrably attribute value to something and to give something worth, especially to a deity of God. In other words, it cost us something to give value to something. If you're going to value something, you put a price on it. And that's one of the reasons why the word sacrifice is linked up with worship so many times in the Bible. We worship God because he's worthy. That's what it means. And, and here's what it means for you and I this morning. People are watching us, and more importantly, God is watching us. As we worship him, he can tell how much we value him. It's that simple. What kind of worship we give, that we give him determines how valuable he is. Now, I guess a great way to illustrate that is with an engagement ring. You know, when a woman's engaged, when, how does she announce that? Does she walk in the room and say, I'm engaged? No. She walks in the room sideways with her finger out. So everybody can see the ring. And all of her girlfriends, they ooh and all about the engagement ring. And nobody's asking about the guy at this point. Does he have a job? Does he live with his mommy? You know, does he have a third eye? Is he hunchback? Nobody cares. It's all about the ring. Because the ring shows them how much this guy cares for their friend. How much he's willing to spend on the engagement ring. Is he willing to go days on just macaroni and cheese and ramen noodles and, you know, ride his bike to work and skimp and save? It's all about the ring. He shows them, they can tell by looking, how much he values this girl. And I'm just telling you the same way with us in our worship. I think we forget that. People are watching us. More importantly, God is watching us on Sunday mornings especially. How we worship him is telling him how much we value him, which leads to another question. Is coming here this morning the highlight of your week? Do you look more forward to worshiping God on Sunday morning than anything you used to do all week? Because that's sure the way it was for David. Psalm 122, verse 1, David says, I was glad when they said it was time to come to the house of the Lord. He couldn't wait to get here. And it's been that way over the years for thousands of people who have gotten together week after week on a, on a specific date and a specific time to worship God. Now, styles have changed, and dress has changed, and music has changed, but one thing has not changed. People get together once a week to worship God because He deserves to be worshipped. But you got to wonder, is He pleased with our worship? Does it make Him happy? You know, one of the best definitions that we've ever found at South Union Christian Church on what worship is, we found when we studied the book, How to Worship a King Together by Zach Neese. And I think it was five, six years ago. It could have been longer because time goes so quick. But if you've not read that book for a while, I've got it back out. And I've been reading it, and I'm going to review some of it with you this morning. It's a powerful book. If you don't have it, let me know, and I'll see if I can't get you a copy. But this is the definition we found in that book several years ago on worship that we think is the best ever. Worship is recognizing God for who He is, recognizing myself for who I am, and then responding appropriately. Isn't that good? Worship is recognizing God for who He is, recognizing myself for who I am, and then responding appropriately. And I've always loved that definition because anytime you see somebody in the Bible who even got a glimpse of God, they were so overwhelmed by their sinfulness and so taken by His grace and mercy and so awestruck by His vastness that all they could do was fall on their face and worship of Him. 
And it should be the same for us every day. The blessings and things that He gives us. We worship God because He deserves it. We're the creatures. He's the creator. And any time we even get a glimpse of Him, we ought to be on our knees and worship. But another reason why we worship God is not just that He deserves it. It's also because He demands it. Did you know that? It's our obedience to Him. Paul said straight up in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that we should make our bodies a living sacrifice, pleasing to God. That's, that's our spiritual act of worship, Paul says. That's our goal. That's our aim, to worship God every day in everything that we do, but especially on Sunday mornings. Now, do we always get that done? No. But it should be our goal and our aim. You know, when I get in a tee box when I'm playing golf, my goal is to hit it straight every time. Do I ever? No, I don't. I hit it straighter than Eric does. But I, I try not to go left or right. And that ought to be us. We ought to worship God all the time. Man, I'm telling you, especially on Sunday morning, because this is a special privilege we get. The manifest presence of God comes together when we come together on Sunday mornings to worship Him. And, and we worship Him. Uh, we should do it when we feel like it. And we should do it when we don't feel like it, because he deserves it and because he demands it. And that's what we're going to do here. Now, honestly, not very often over the years, but occasionally I'll have somebody say to me, I just didn't get much out of Sunday. I just got to tell you. And I really want to take that comment seriously. I mean, I really do. But it's hard because at the same time, there's 30, 40 people every week that are telling me, man, I'm telling you, the service this morning was amazing. It was so powerful. It filled me up. It just lifted me up. It was just amazing. Isn't that funny how that goes? Same service, different impact. How is that? And why is that? Well, just take this morning, for example. We've already come in here and sang two songs, amazing songs, powerful songs. We've already fellowshiped together. The Hug and Howdy thing's back. We missed that. Some of us have already participated in the offering because the boxes are in the back now. We prayed over the service before we started. We prayed before I started. We're praying right now. We're going to pray when we're done. Having said that, it's my suspicion that some of you in here have already had an encounter with God. Some of you have already been touched by Him in an amazing way. And I've not even told a joke yet. I mean, that's amazing. It's also my suspicion that some of you have not had an encounter with God yet. And sadly, some of you won't have one at all. Some of you haven't had an encounter with God yet because of the way you came in here. You know, you came in last minute, and you came in, and you sat down, and you found your seat, and you got to catch your breath a minute, and you look around to see if so-and-so's here and who's not here, and, and then you write your check so you can put it in a black box in the back, and, and then, of course, you got to check your phone because you might have got a text from the car to the church, and you don't want to miss a text, you know what I mean? And, and now you've sat down, and you're ready to go, but you have not had an encounter from God yet. You've got nothing out of the service yet at all. You're counting on me. Good luck with that, because I can't do anything for your heart. A preacher, a rabbi, and a priest walked into the bar. The bartender said, what is this, a joke? <laughs> I'm telling you, it'd be a joke if you're expecting me to do something for you this morning, because I can't do that. I guess what we found out over the years here at South Union Christian Church is this. Pretty much what you bring to worship is what you're going to get out of worship, and that's not even the important part anyway. So, as we're reviewing some of these things from five or six years ago, I'd like to ask us all some questions that we should answer honestly in our spirit this morning, and it will go a long way to determine whether or not we have a worship service this morning pleasing to God or if this is just another day at church, because there's a big difference. Here's question number one. Did I really prepare my heart for worship before I came to church this morning? In other words, did we come in here ready to worship, ready to go? Somebody says, is that important? It's important to God. 
In Malachi chapter 1, verse 8, God is addressing people who just showed up and went through the motions with their mouth, not with their hearts. Now, you know how we do that sometimes? All of us? Sometimes we just show up, we're just, I don't know, not in the mood or something, and so worship service is like this, or it's like this, and the sermons are like this, and all that kind of stuff. And I just want to remind you of something, we talk about this a lot, but some of these songs we're singing, man, they're powerful. And if you sing with your mouth and you don't mean it in your heart, it can mess you up. It's dangerous business. Listen to what God says. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering that to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord God Almighty? Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would quit lighting useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord God Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. I'll accept no offering from your hands. Is it important that we come in here ready to worship on Sunday morning? Yeah. Yeah, big time. In fact, if it doesn't come from here up to there, God says, quite frankly, listen, if it's not real, just shut the doors and go on home. Stop lighting useless fires on my altar. So we need to come in here ready to worship. Now, that's tough to do for a lot of reasons. I've found out over the years one of the toughest things for Christians to do is to get to church. Christians fight more on Sunday mornings than any other time of the year. You know what I mean? Any other time of the week. Get up! We're going to be late! we got to get to church! Get out of here right now! And you run out of the kitchen, you grab a Pop-Tart or some Tony the Tiger or something, and you're screaming at the kids, and you're trying to find a shirt you thought was clean, but it's not clean, so you got to figure out something else. Kids get out of bed, they're out of bed, but they're watching SpongeBob SquarePants, they're not getting ready, so you yell at them again, you finally get everybody out in the car, you pile in the car, you're trying to get to church, she says you're driving too fast, you tell her to mind your own business, you know, that's brave. You finally get to church, you're walking in, you see somebody you know, because you can talk to them for a minute, and, and then somebody's got to go to the bathroom, and you finally get in here, and we've sung one song, you sit down, and now you're ready to worship God. Really? I don't think so. And listen, I'm not judging anybody in here. I've been there. What do you think I came up that list? I mean, I'm telling you, before, went back when we had one car... Just getting to church with sanity on Sunday morning was my goal. Try to get three girls and my wife ready and get here on time. It's the biggest spiritual attack of the week. And I'm just telling you, family, one of the reasons why sometimes worship seems to dry to us is our hearts just aren't ready when we start. Psalm chapter 89, verse 15 says, Happy are the people who know how to praise you. Another version says, Happy are the people who have learned how to acclaim you. This is something we learn to do together worshiping God. And that's why we're going to talk about it again, going to review some of this stuff again, remind ourselves how important what's going on here this morning, and ask some questions. Now, I think one of the reasons why I mentioned that, well, I mentioned all this before, but one of the places where the Jews have a one-up on us is that they're, you know, the Jews, their, their day started on Sabbath, Saturday, but their worship actually started Friday night. And you said, what's the big deal with that? I'll tell you what the big deal is with that. On Friday night, they didn't go to the concert in Indianapolis. They didn't go to Cincinnati to see the Reds play. They didn't spend the evening till the, till the mall closed down and the stores. They didn't go to a, a movie with a small group and stay out till 11, 12, or 1 o'clock in the morning. They stayed home the night before worship. They sat around the table and bonded together as a family, prayed and told stories. They went to bed early. And so when they got up in the morning on Saturday, they were rested and ready to serve and worship God. And I think sometimes, quite frankly, the reason why we don't worship on Sunday mornings is because we ran around so late on Saturday night. And so we need to think about some things before we come in here. Change things up. 
Number one, am I resting and alert? Or did I run around so much last night that I can't barely keep my eyes open even with him up there screaming, let alone singing? Another question, have I examined myself and made any necessary confessions like we talked about last week? Lord, I want to worship you this morning, but I want to do it with a clean heart on, on right terms. So this is my problem. I'm sorry, I want to bring this up to you. It goes a long way to worship. The accuser, the enemy, Satan, he stands, uh, he's called the accuser. He stands before the throne of God and accuses you of sin all the time. And we can do one of two things about that. We talked about both of them last week. We can, number one, we can ignore it. That is, we can blame it on circumstances or other people. Or number two, we can own up to it. And we can stand on 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. That means we can take a deep sigh of relief before we start singing and worshiping, and we can say, Lord, I throw myself at the mercy of the court. I plead guilty. I have nobody to blame but myself. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's enough. And that will make your worship service unbelievable. Another question. Have I emptied my mind of all preoccupations? Here's the problem. The average person can speak 3,300 words a minute, and the average listener can think 10,000 words a minute. So you see the problem? You're thinking a whole lot faster than I can speak. And so your mind's already wandering. Now, one thing you could do, I can talk faster and you could think slower. But that's not going to work we got to do something different because I'm telling you, me too, we come in here and sit down in these seats on Sunday morning, all kinds of things going through my mind. Are they going to do that mask mandate again? Oh, man, I hope not. Hey, I wonder if we can get out of here in time to get to Cracker Barrel. The line gets so bad. Are we going to be stuck at Bob Evans or Hardy's? I wish I'd have bought that shirt at Cole's last night. Kids are starting school. Was, hope that thing gets done at work. On and on and on we go. It's all up in here. You know what we can do instead? I promise this works. You can ask the Holy Spirit who's in here to clean your mind up of all that stuff and say, just for the next hour, could you help me focus on worshiping the King in spirit and in truth? Another question, have I been faithful in my personal worship through the week? I'm going to tell you something, it's really hard if you're not spending any time at all with God Monday through Saturday to come flying in here on Sunday morning, put your hands up and try to worship. You have to spend some time with Him through the week. Another question, have I prayed from my heart that I'll honor God when His Word is read? In other words, have I prayed for the sermon? Michael Hodgins says, I've never heard one sermon that I didn't get something out of. And then he adds quickly, but there have been some mighty close calls. <laughs> Listen, have you prayed over the sermon? I mean, I've talked about this before. The power from up here is not in my jokes and my illustrations. I mean, every now and then I find an illustration that tears me up and then it tears you up. But th that's not the power. The power up here is when I read from the Word of God and it touches you and then we talk about it. But having said that, you don't want me doing that without praying first, do you? You don't want me to preach out here without spending some time praying over it. Of course not. Well, guess what? I don't want you listening without praying over it. Doesn't it just make sense that you would pray to God to anoint me, to speak his words to you, and anoint you to hear them when they come? Yeah. Another question. Have I come expecting something to happen? Or is this just another day at church? I bring this up because I think because we do this every week, and some of us have jobs to do every week, that sometimes it becomes mundane and we forget what's really going on in here. You know what's going on in here, right? We have come in here together this morning to worship and be touched by the creator of the universe. I'm talking about Jehovah God. 
Yeshua, the one who saves. Emmanuel, the God with us. I'm talking about Adonai, the God who rules. I'm talking about Jehovah Saba, the warrior God. I'm talking about Jehovah, Jehovah uh, Nisi, the banner over me. I'm talking about uh, the, the Elohim, the creator. I'm talking about the bright and morning star. I'm talking about the Alpha and the Omega. I'm talking about the way, the truth, and the life is in this building right now. This is an eternal, amazing magnitude happening going on right now. And we don't want to miss it. This is not just another day at church. He's in the building. Which brings the next question. Have I brought everything I have with me to worship this God this morning? Am I letting go? As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. Psalm 42.1. We ought to have David's attitude, which I can't wait to get in here and praise you and worship you. We ought to let go. Instead of being the frozen chosen. Now, uh, some of you are saying, what are you saying, Came way out have, you talking emotionalism? We got to raise our hands. I saw Angie doing that, I'd do it. Do we have to clap? Should we get down on our knees like you do up here when we're singing songs about bowing down before him? That's just all emotionalism. Are you going charismatic on us? No, I'm not. Here's what we know. God created each one of us with emotion, and Jesus said we're to worship him with, with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength, and I think there's going to be a little emotion involved in that. Now listen, some of you, <laughs> I've been around for a long time with you, and I've been to baseball games with you, I've been to volleyball games with you, I've been to soccer games, I've been to basketball games. You guys are nuts, man. I'm telling you, you're nuts. I, I went to my first Bloomington South football game about 30 years ago, and I forget who was playing from here, but I, I would, my mouth was dropped open. And most people are crazy. They had air horns going, noise making, they had... They had uh, Milk jugs with BBs and rocks in them, everybody, and they were shaking them. We had to put earplugs in. It was crazy, and it was a blast. It was so much fun. And I'm asking, don't you think God deserves some of that? As powerful and as great as He is? To worship Him with our, our hearts, mind, soul, and strength? That we should just let go and do that? I look up here a minute. I'm not saying for even a minute that the only way to worship God is to raise your hands and clap and get down on your knees. What I am telling you is if you do that kind of thing at the Colts game and at basketball games and at football games, but you don't do it in here because you're uncomfortable, you probably want to rethink that because he deserves more than that. If you can do that out there, you ought to be able to do that in here. Now, one of the problems we have with this is we have a tendency to want things our way even at church. Aren't we funny that way? Aren't we something? We want worship our way, and if we don't get worship our way, some of us want the music soft. Some of us want it loud. I mean, two or three times in the last year I've gone back and told Aaron, turn it down a little bit. The things are shaking up here. My ears hurt. I can't hear nothing. You know, some of us want it really loud. Some of us want it soft. Some of us want fast songs. Some of us want the slow songs. Some of us want to hear Jeremy preach. Some want to hear Mark preach. Some want to hear me preach. Somebody want uh, more jokes. Somebody wants less jokes. Somebody wants funny jokes. You know, we want all different kinds of things. And if we don't get what we want on Sunday morning, we just didn't get much out of the service. Could it be that that prayer, that song, that testimony, the sermon, maybe didn't touch you at all, but it sure moved God? See, here's what complicates this. Any place else in our life where you're sitting out there and we're performing up here, you're the audience. A movie, play, classroom, any place, you're the audience, 
We're the performers. And if we don't perform to your liking, you're going to grade us and decide whether you got something out of it or not. I just want to remind us, please, I said us, that that's not what's going on here on Sunday mornings. You are not the audience. God is. I'm the prompter. You're the performers. But he's the audience. And so the question is not, what did I get out of the service this morning? Did I get filled up this morning? No. The, the question is, did God get filled up this morning? Did his heart get touched? Because I promise you, if he got filled, you'll get filled. You seek first the kingdom. That's how that works. One last question. And then we're going to participate right down here. Man, oh man, oh man. Did you really come here this morning understanding that the God of the universe is watching you worship him? Did you know that? Did you remember that's what's going on here? We had a uh, children's... I think it was still the preschool going on anyway. We had a Christmas deal, and we had the snacks over there, and they put the snacks out. And we afraid we weren't going to have enough. And so uh, Ashley put a sign on the brownies that said, please just take one, God is watching. It was kind of funny. And then some joker come along. I don't know, it wasn't me. But some joker came along and put a sign on the peanut butter cookies that said, take all you want, God's watching the brownies. <laughs> now, listen, God's watching everything going on here this morning. I mean, nobody has any idea what you put in that little black box back there, but God watched. No, nobody noticed how you loved on people this morning, but God did. Probably nobody heard what you said about so-and-so after you walked away from him to your spouse, but God heard that. But most importantly, the way you worship him, those first two songs, the way you worship him around this table, the way we worship him together in a few minutes, he's watching that. And he's going to know how much you value him. By your word. That's just the way it is. I love this. Here we are, the bride of Christ, unlovable, unfaithful, adulterous, and fickle. Heaven and hell stand stupefied, and the lost are incredulous. I mean, how could anybody love such a woman? How could the perfect Prince of Peace, glorious, holy, faithful, powerful, righteous, full of beauty and light, choose such an unlovely, wayward woman? Again, the angels are mystified. Hell can't comprehend it. The lost can't believe it. Who could love a people like the church? Only one thing will silence their doubt. Show them the ring. They want to see the ring. The only way for God to silence the skeptics was to demonstrate his love for the church, to prove how much we really are worth to him. And so Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. The cross is the engagement ring of Jesus Christ. It's a bloodstone bought at a price of God's own son to woo the heart of the bride away from other suitors and to prove once and for all how much we're worth to him. And if the cross proves how much we're worth to God, our worship is going to prove to him how much he means to us. So how about it, church? Can you empty your mind open up your heart to the moving of the Holy Spirit around this table, around the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Can you let go of everything this morning and forget what everybody else is thinking? Raise your hands. Worship the creator of the universe. Get out on your knees if the song says bow before him. Spend some time in worship.